Ahmad Vital was living the American dream. Then his world fell apart. But even when he made mistakes, he turned it around and he realized what a blessing that could be. His mission is to empower young men to live life to the fullest. Today, Ahmad is going to share his principles and exercises that he has shared around the world. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. With me today is Ahmad Vatel. He is a motivational consultant, international speaker, and author who provides his audience with the tools needed to achieve personal success. He is becoming one of the most sought after motivational speakers in the world, everywhere from Zambia and the UAE to the United States of America. Welcome. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, let's start as we always do on Never Ever Give Up Hope, your backstory. Share with us your story. The The main thing is that I'm just a young guy from a small town in Texas with a pen in his hand and a dream. Because basically from the time I was basically able to walk, I've had a pen in my hand because at the core, I'm a writer. Uh, you mentioned the consulting and the coaching and the speaking and the, the ministry and all these different things. Everything starts with pen in hand and a pad for me. And mm. so I, I like that to be my foundation because if the world could just be exactly as I wanted, I literally would just travel the world with a whole bunch of composition books and just write all day long. <laughs> so at my core, I'm a writer. Everything springs from that. Every keynote, every curriculum, everything that I do comes from the fact that I just love writing. And I feel like that that's the gift God gave me more than anything else is to be able to be able to communicate first through my writing and to be able to connect with people in that way. I think that's awesome. Give us a little bit about who you are. You know, I came up in a, in a, in a home where there was a, a, a father and a mother about, about the age of 11 that had fallen apart. Uh, luckily, my mother was able to be remarried fairly quickly. And so I've always gladly said I have two fathers and both of those men have poured into me in a way been beneficial for my life up to this point. And so I, I honor both of them and in, in the what they've done for me. And so with both of them giving me you know, two sides of life where there were some similarities, um, one of the things that always fueled me as I was coming up and I was like, you know, I have. I have my father's, you know, I have friends or whatever. I was like, but there's a missing piece in my life. And that missing piece was I need someone who's not as old as my dad, but not as young as me. 
I need something in between. And so as I as I got older and I started getting into to speaking and uh, sports writing and all of these other things, obviously all of these are connected to the youth at some level, even up to college students. And I always just wanted to be a mentor or the go-between between the the kid's age and upwards of about early adulthood. So I wanted someone in between there. So I work daily to become the man I needed when I was 17 years old. The man who I could, who has wisdom, but can also can connect with me a little bit more on my level than, you know, your father just, you know, telling you the, the stoic and raw truth, which is good. But I wanted someone who I can connect with to be the to be the in between and have that part of my community, which is what I stress now in my teachings today. So, where are you teaching? Are you teaching in schools or churches, or who's your audience? Actually, all three of those. Obviously, I work in the ministry here in the Woodlands, Texas, uh, at my church. Um, I go into plenty of schools, schools, uh, community centers, nonprofits, all of these different places. I, I I pour into kids because what ends up happening is is when I go to schools, then they're connected to sports teams. They're connected to different clubs. And of course, through the school, uh, through the church, I'm going through the ministry. Um, I work with the Boys and Girls Club. I cre- I've created a curriculum for the Boys and Girls Club uh, out here in my area, uh, in, in the Houston area, for four years now. And so we have we have we connect with with the youth on a many different levels and, and excited to to grow that platform as well, because Many have looked uh, around at the current situation and saying that our youth are the ones who are who are taking the the the, the brunt the the blunt force of all the negativity that's going on, and that you know somebody's got to come in and step in because you know for whatever reason society and different powers that be really have tried to corrupt our young people's minds, and I want to be able to give them a, a solid word of advice strategies. So that they know that there's there's a better way to do this and and, and getting back to the, the foundational truths which built the country and really built our world as a whole. What kind of hurdles have you come up against? How much time we got, Carol? I'm just <laughs> I, that's what I'm thinking as you're talking because you you know you're addressing a huge, huge area of problem. Well, the, the, the foundational, foundational, foundational problem is the breakup of the home. Right. Every issue we're dealing with today is the fact that the home has been completely nuked and destroyed. Um, you know, whether you want to go back to the 40s, whether you want to go back to the 60s, uh, whatever that looks like, um, both of those things were important. So you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the welfare system that, that broke homes apart. Uh, you're talking about, you know, first, second, third, fourth wave feminism, breaking things apart. Um, the idea that uh, the breakdown of the church, the church has been compromised on many levels. Uh-huh. So all of these things that kept everything together have been totally destroyed. And and whereas there's still people attending, it's like how many church, how many schools are actually teaching the truth about what really needs to be taught to young people to be able to have a successful life? We used to just focus on reading math, history, and, and different things like that. And now. I, I hear uh-huh. what some of my uh-huh. teens are talking about, and I'm uh-huh. just like, you don't need that, right? And so you take that and the idea that the the, the father was systematically taken out of many homes, and you know, right. and we don't we don't we don't need to go into the hows and whys of who's at fault for that, um, because there's enough to go around uh-huh. to both sides and both genders. However, the 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 Faustian bargain was made, and we have not seen 
this level of dysfunction in our country, um, probably since, you know, almost going all the way back biblically. Mm-hmm. Because because what ends up happening is, is that, shocker, when you remove one of the two components of the rearing and raising of a child and you remove, you know, the, the, the stoic leadership structure out of there, shocker that things just don't work out. So what do we have? We have teen suicide. Murder rates are up. Dropouts are up. Teen pregnancy is up. Uh, uh, Mental health is through the roof. That's just become just the buzzword for everything now. And and it's just our our kids are just they're not taught purpose. They're not taught values. They're not taught the foundational things. And so when when you talk about the hurdles, obviously society is is, is a big hurdle. (laughs) Um, I would say that um, entitled parents are 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 an issue because mm. if you probably can't tell I do speak with a little bit of force um I'm not here to discuss your feelings too often I'm here to get <laughs> your results let's just say this usually the dads are like hey here's the keys to the car go do what you need to do and many of the mothers are like you know can you do what you do just not quite as aggressive and direct and I'm like um not being aggressive and direct <laughs> is why we're here um, because you've been trying to be his friend and I'm not. <laughs> so that's where I would say, um, yes, I would say probably of all the single mothers who have approached me to want to work, especially with their sons, um, I'd say my close rate on them is about 30 to 40%. The other 60 is just wow. like, no, you're, you're too, I mean, fill in blank here. And, and I'm okay because I'm not for everybody. But the bottom line is, is that, I'm trying to make sure that even if your child is upset with me and maybe I'm too harsh or whatever, I'd like to keep him or her out of prison. I'd like to keep them not getting shot. I'd like to keep them not having four babies before the age of 21 with no uh, with no marriage, right? I would like all of these things to happen. And if it means that, that temporarily they're just fuming at the way I come at them and share with them the truth, that's fine. I'll sign up for that every day. You can put the hit list of everyone who's mad and just put a nice long scroll of that. If it keeps these murder rates down, if it keeps uh, the arrest down, if it keeps, you know, deaths by suicide, by drugs, by whatever addictions, I'll take that every day of the week. So my biggest that's my biggest obstacle is the is the idea that, well, this is not going to work. Well, yours hasn't worked for 15 years. OK, so maybe we need to try something new. And I think a lot of times that there is a situation where you don't want your kid to be mad at you. And I understand it, but that doesn't get results because uh, true discipline, love is shown through discipline. It's not soft serve, as uh, one of my colleagues would say. It's not soft serve. It's very, it's very direct and it's very much so needed in today's society. Okay, so you're through the door. Now, do the kids accept you? When you, when yes. you... Okay. Yes. I figured yes. that. I, what's their attitude? Do they come closed-minded, open-minded, ready for change? Uh, explain a little bit about what they're going through when they first meet you, you know, in this situation. You know, it, it, it does go more than one way because it, it, it more so depends on how the interact, not the interaction, the introduction went. Because now I'm to the point now, especially at my church and people and some of their, their friends, they'll come to me and pull me aside and be like, I got a problem and I want the truth. And obviously, while I focus on boys, you know, girls will come up to me and be like, hey, can I can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, let's 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 do this. 
Um, so when they come to me, obviously, when the, when the student shows up, the teacher can appear. Um, sometimes parents book me and, and it's a little it's a little rocky uh, when you first meet up. But most of the times, by the time the parents come to me, the, the student knows there's something wrong and they're, you know, they're a little pushed back, which I understand. I work. Hmm. For, I mean, uh-huh. first of all, I'm a former football player. I've been in locker rooms my whole life. Um, and second of all, I know because, you know, especially with young men, we're disagreeable. That's what makes us who we are. And so I'm here for the idea that you're going to push back and ask questions and maybe have a little bit of attitude early on, right? Because I'm going to take that same smoke you're bringing uh. and that to something positive. Like, hey, why don't you use that same energy to go find a job, <laughs> right? Why don't you use that same energy to go get some more skills because if you want to increase your income, we're going to have to increase your intellect, your skills, and your and utilizing the talent you have. So when they can see a direct, like, oh, this guy really does want me to level up. This guy really does want me to clean this uh, this mess up I have. This guy really does want me to be uh, a productive uh, human being in society who, who builds families and, and stands for something. They're usually ready at that point. And, of course, like I said, with me, you know, focus mostly on on young men. It's gotten to the point now where um, parents will hook me up with their with their sons and they'll and they'll wow. they'll vet me. Let's make this happen. And it's interesting because even the uh, my international manager who found me, I think it had been five years ago. She had told me, she said, you know, you're the perfect age group to connect with the youth mm. and a better path because they'll look at, you know, the boomer age and be like, oh, y'all are too old. You don't understand or whatever. But me being right there at the cuffs of the back end of Gen X, it she's like, it's perfect. So you can show them because remember, we're, we're raised by we still like the Gen X is the last generation raised by old school values. Right. Once it got to millennials, that's when it was kind of right, like, eh. right, they right, kind of right. got off the rails then. And of course, you know, from there. You know, now we, you know, we we promote the fact that the, the the there's liberation and making sure you have as many sexual partners as possible, and and basically going to get twelve degrees, and that's that's really empowerment right there. You know, or on the other side, it's like, hey, populate the earth as much as possible, and 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 can't afford child support for three of them. That's that's empowerment today. Let's just do that. And so I'm looking to come in and just throw a grenade on how society, these uh, music videos and movies have just taken the, the the roles and just flipped them upside their head and changed so much to the point where, you know, you could talk all you want about, oh, you know, well, your your mom was, you know, oppressed that came out at a time when it was just a heavy hand of all these men. And I'm just like, how is it working out for you all? With all this freedom, all the freedom in the world, and you all are the most miserable on the most antidepressants, the pharmaceutical companies are just sitting there swimming in cash, just making it rain every day. <laughs> right. At the, idea, at the idea that a 12-year-old is on meds. That's a right. Back in the day, we just used to go outside and run and play for our stress and do things like that. Now you're holed up in these little things. You're caught up in social media, right? And I'm not saying that everything was great at any level. I'm just saying there's a trade-off to everything. And all I'm saying is, is for you, you know, fist in the air, uh, hear me roar. I'm, I, I'm everything. How is that working out for you? Truly, right? How's it working out for you coming home solo and no family, no community? Tell me how that's working. And that's typically where I am. And again, I don't, some people say, you know, he's too much and I'm okay with that because I'm not here to do the feelings and, you know, have kumbaya and let's sit around and make s'mores. 
I want results. Well, I'm a baby boomer over here doing the happy dance as I'm hearing what you're saying. And I'm also so appreciative because I do know young people. Uh, my daughter, millennial, and her friends, and now their generation that's coming up, their children are being still taught the ways that, that the baby boomers were taught. And there is, you know, there are those people out there that are, are doing their due diligence in raising their children. And so I just wanted to make sure that we include them too, because I know you're talking specifically, you know, to what the negative that's going on, but there's also positive. And so I thank you for, for sharing that a hundred percent. Absolutely. And, 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 and again, there, there's, there's, there's always, there's always a light. And it's like, you know, anyone who's been in a church more than five minutes knows that like what's going on right now. You know, we, we knew this, we knew this was coming. Like you said, That's right. the, yep. the boomers, the boomers started the, the quote unquote degeneracy you can say of today, mm-hmm. but still enough, you know, stoic leadership men who was just like, uh, oh, we're not doing this, but it's going to get to someone. I mean, Woodstock, all those different things, and you know, the music, you right. know, the marijuana, the, the the opioids, the the heroin, the cocaine. Especially once cocaine became affordable, it was over, right? And then the crack came from that. I mean, so all of these different things are, are progressively moving to where we are now. And then, right. of course, once the internet, social media came along, the look at me culture, it's all about me. And then the decline of church happens. Shocker. <laughs> the breakup of the family, the decline of the church, uh-huh. and hey, here is the buffet we have created since the late 40s and early 50s. You're welcome. And so now it's like we, especially those of the Christian faith, we have to look back and say, you know what? We took our eyes off the culture for a long time. And we, t- I mean, just, just from the standpoint of we focus on the church, but it's like we, enough of us didn't come out, take the church to the streets, right? We didn't go out into the community and be like, uh-huh. hey, like, like, yeah, we're good in here. Yeah, but there's a whole dirty world out there. And it's, it's meant for you to go out there and clean some of it up. <laughs> and so we we just we just took we took our eyes off the ball of, of the culture, not getting involved in movies, art, music. Right. Gov- good point. All, all these all these, the, the, the pillars, the pillars of society. Right. We need we need, you know, good, wholesome, Bible believing Christians in all of those places. And we talk about that a lot in my church. And it's like, all right, we're going to come here and we're going to get poured into. Now, who's my soldiers who, who are going to go out there and get their swords, get their shields, get their helmet and go fight some battles? Right. And so the good thing is, is that I came from, you know, mud, darkness and everything coming on the back end of high school and college. So I'm like, OK, I'll sign up for that and I'll take the same aggressiveness from the football field and I'll just oh, now you want me to add the word with it. OK, that's cool. Let's go. You know, and so. That's where I come in and working with with the kids because I'm like, look, man, you all can come after me all day. That's fine. But leave the seven year olds out of it. Leave my teenagers out of it. Right. But that's the beautiful thing. That's why, you know, I always gladly saying COVID was the biggest blessing ever because it took the mask off of the darkness. It Mm -hmm. took the mask. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I see you now. Right. Thank you. Now I just reloaded my shotgun. Because I know who you are. And now I can go talk to 75 to 100 teens on a weekly basis and tell them, hey, here's where the threat is. And here's how you fight him. Because he's dirty and he's very, very tactful with what he does. Because he thought he can get through to you in certain types of ways because it was above your pay grade to know it. But what he didn't know is that you have an advocate here who's going to be like, oh, this song over here, 
listen to these lyrics right here is telling you to do this and you don't know it, right? This movie over here represents this. This quote over here represents this. This person over here is completely compromised and you don't need to listen to them at all. So that's the beautiful role I have. And it's like, let's do this. And so that's where that's where a lot of my um, heat comes from because COVID, because COVID made everyone and even us to be more of just like, you know, you do you, I do me, don't mess around. Hey, I'm not concerned about what you're doing over there. Until you came and decided to come dirty my living room with your nonsense. You decided to come into my, like, you know, we're not going to allow you to do your thing in your house. It's like, says who? Okay, and you go after the kids. So now I'm off the sideline. I'm openly more going after these situations as opposed to just kind of being more hands off. That was awesome. It is you explained it so well. Not only your your motivation, definitely, but I appreciate that energy. Oh my goodness. And I can't wait to share this. I've already thought of a hundred people that I want to share this with specifically. Parents that need to hear what you are saying. So I thank you. We're going to take a very uh, short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your books. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another, gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. I have really appreciated listening to you this morning, Ahmad. This is um, motivating me to even speak out more and I hope it will. I know it will for other other uh, parents as well. And for whether you're a baby boomer or, or any other generation, we need to get this message to, to our families, to our kids, to our churches, to our schools. And so I thank you for the platform that you are, different platforms that you are using to do just that. So tell us now about your books. You have three of them, I believe. I do. Um, the first one goes back to 2011. Um, I wrote Awaken the Baller Within, and basically that was a book, and you'll notice, Carol, the theme is I think every one of my books except the latest one was all written out of tragedy. <laughs> so I was a, I was very depressed when I, when I wrote Awaken the Baller Within. Um, just things were just going awry, relationship went awry, but at the same time, I was, I just moved into the home I'm in now, and I was 29 years old, great, you know, career, making good money, had all the side hustles, working for Fox Sports, working, you know, in the college football recruiting space. It was doing well, but, you know, that relationship took a toll on me. And next thing you know, I'm wondering what, what I'm going to do with my life. And so um, after I had that meltdown in my in my guest bedroom, um, I had a conversation with God. And I said, God, you know, I'm, I thought I was doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, I'm successful and everything. I was like, but I just don't think I'm doing this thing called life well. I said, I tell you what, I don't really know if I care if I live or not right now, but I tell you what, if you decide to wake me up tomorrow, then, you know, I'll reevaluate and I'll do things more your way. 
deal. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're making a deal with God. And so, of course, I did end up waking up. And so then, obviously, you know, I got more. I started reading more. You know, obviously, I jumped in the Bible, Think and Grow Rich, Richest Man in Babylon, uh, Who Moved My Cheese, all of those books. I started doing that, and obviously, along with the Bible, but then also hired someone, uh, like as a mentor, to be there for me because obviously I'm not doing these things like I should. So now I got a personal and spiritual development going on right now, you know, and I'm stronger in reading my word and trying to lean on my faith more. But I'm also an ex-jock who writes about sports and football recruiting. So how do I merge the two? And so Awaken the Ball of Within was born. Awaken the Ball of Within was born out of that. So I basically did the same thing Napoleon Hill did with Think and Grow Rich, and I just did it with high-end football players. And it was it was awesome. And, it, you know, people have paid that kind of as a life as an athlete's life manual. You know, there's not a chapter more than 12 pages because I hated reading. So I know that some of my fellow brethren out there are the same. So I don't want to bog you down with long chapters, young man, because I want to get right to the point and let you know that, like, there's a way. And it was basically taking high end athletes and seeing what the mindset was behind their success. What was making them be able to make all the tackles? What was creating in their minds to be able to, you know, throw for many touchdown passes, run faster, hit harder, all of these things. And it was all mental because I saw a lot of guys who came up who were more talented than other guys, but they didn't have the mindset to be able to go through. And, you know, the mind precedes action or lack thereof. So you find a guy who's, you know, the fastest guy you ever you, you've ever seen and he may not make it. And my and my my late father used to tell me all the time. He said, "Amad, the best athletes, the best athletes um, you play against aren't the best athletes. You, you'll never see the best athletes you to, to play against because most of them won't make it. Because most of them fall victim to something. And I don't use victim in that way. I'm saying they they put themselves in a position to to fail at a very high level. And so, waking the ball within was looking to 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 focus on a profile of what was it." that built their success. Of course, dream building, goal setting, and a relentless pursuit of those things was what the foundational truths are from Awaken the Ball Within. So we sold we sold quite a few copies of Awaken the Ball Within, and I did that one very much so independently. <laughs> Unleashing that beast within you who can go and make things happen. And the beautiful thing about the book, Carol, is it was it's written in jock language, but more than enough adults said that book is not about sports. I was like, because it never was about sports. It wasn't meant to be about sports. It's a metaphor. Sports is just a metaphor so that I can get through to my guys. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You can't just you can't just put a, a, a psycho cybernetics lesson in front of a football players and be like, hey, let's let's break this down. It's like, no, we're going to talk about this in jock like language. And these are your peers who brought this lesson uh-huh, to you. Uh-huh. I just I just, you know pull the information together to put it in a way where we can get it for the guy who doesn't like to read, which is most of us. You know, I just learned, I just got better with reading here in the last what <laughs> two decades. So there's that. And after uh, that was 2011, uh, 2019, I published, uh, I am more than enough three ways to overcome the fear of your own reflection. <sighs> this one was the meltdown I had with the argument with God from writing my first book. So you see how these all come together just beautifully. I just have meltdowns and I pick my pen up and, you know, God speaks to me. You know, it's crazy. But I Am More Than Enough was the was the um, story of the night my father died, the night after my 33rd birthday. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was so spiritually arrogant to the point where I was just like, 
well, God said he'll never leave nor forsake me. And then if I ask for things in his name, like basically it's done. So I went into the hospital with that mindset. And of course, that didn't work out. And the conversation I had with God is I was like, you said that you, if I ask for things in your name, then it's done. And I said, all I ask for you to do is to make sure my father walks out of this hospital and you couldn't even do this one request for me. I didn't ask for my book to be a bestseller. I didn't ask for, you know, millions and millions of dollars. I asked for you to make sure my father walks out of this hospital. And then, you know, while I'm poured down with tears and sweat mixed together, the still small angelic voice spoke to me and said, my son, I have I have honored your request. And your father is walking out of this hospital as you. I gave him everything he needed to make you a better human being. I gave him the integrity, the work ethic, the the leadership. Now, why don't you go, you know, and be the man your heavenly father and your earthly father has chosen for you to be? And then I am more than enough was written on the idea that the reason why I was so mad at God was that if you take this man from my experience, I don't think I can do life correctly. I don't think that I'll be able to function. I don't think that I'll be able to do the things you're calling me to do. Like, because my father, he was retired and I could call him any time of the day and he'd have an answer for me. And I relied on that as I was coming up in my career and in my sports writing and in my authorship, all of those different things. And I was like, what am I going to do with him going? And so, you know, God reassured me that that he gave you everything he needed. And with what I gave to him to give to you and with me here as the father of all of this, you will be just fine when you basically roll your shoulders back and realize that, like, I've already paid a price for this very moment that you're trying to deal with right now. And I just need you to be a good soldier and go out there and do what I'm calling you to do instead of what you think you're supposed to be doing. And so. I'm more than enough focuses on the idea of like, you know, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as God's child or do you see yourself as the worldly human being who keeps making mistakes and is a loser, a nobody, undeserving, which I'm pretty sure somebody listening right now has described themselves in any one of those terms up to this point. And so I'm more than enough really focuses a lot on the individual and looking in the mirror and knowing that you have the power to do something about that. But the power is not yours to wield. Your power is yours to submit to. And so that's where uh, I Am More Than Enough um, was born from that. Was that your third book? Uh, now What, five, uh, five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most of Life was written in the middle of COVID. Uh, maybe some of you people know what summer 2020 looked like. Uh, it was a mess. And... Uh, I just got tired of the entitlement talk. I got tired of you owe me something. I got tired of, you know, you need to pay. Pay for what? That's your house. That's your car. That's your clothes. Nobody owes you anything. And so now what focuses on a profile I did of different people who are literally on the floor. Like when they say the, 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 bottom, the, the, the bottom is falling out from under you. I'm talking about like rock bottom. I interviewed a couple of them and I was like, okay, you have a really, really, really bad situation here. And so I was asking God to reveal to me, how am I supposed to coach someone who has this much stuff going on in their life? And now what was built was born out of that. And it focuses on five steps um, 
focuses on reflection. How did we get here? There's a big old mess around here. How did we get here? And so you have to reflect on how, you know, what caused the situation to be here? Then you go into decide. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, we got a whole bunch of mess up in here. But now it's time to decide what do we want? And so we go through a bunch of steps because each one of these chapters has different strategies on how to, to do each of these steps, whether it's reflecting, obviously going into decide. And once you decide what you want, now it's time to plan. All right, how do we get there, right? Maybe you want to go into a trade. Maybe you want to be a teacher. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to start a family. Maybe you want to get a, a career boost at your job and your profession, okay? What the planning, what does that look like? What does it cost? What is the time? What is the resources needed? Where, where, where are the people who would know how to handle this? Where's the dean? Where's the professor? And so planning obviously comes after that. And then after that, it's time to go into action. Um, without action, all the other three steps are just not so much useless, but nothing's going to happen. And so we go into action and that's where we, you know, tell you to get intentional, go out and find this, go out and find that, you know, put together that once you got that plan together. Now it's like, okay, is every day a day progressing towards the goal? If the answer is not yes, then we need to go back and reevaluate and make sure that we're on top of our game. And of course, once you reflect, decide, plan, act. The most one of the most important one is to seek seeking counsel. Somebody, you know, knows something about what you're going into. Right. And you need to go be their apprentice. You need to go set up a meeting with them. You need to offer them lunch. You need to offer them because I'm assuming if you're doing this. Maybe you're not financially that solvent. I teach that to my teens all the time. It's like, hey, you can afford you. You can get a twenty dollars and go sit down with somebody. And more than likely, if it's somebody my age, they're not going to charge you to sit down and talk with you. You know, if you want to buy their coffee, fine, not. But the bottom line is that you need to seek counsel. You need a group of people around you. You need, you know, what you need community. You need professional community. You need church community. You need social community, familial community. You need all of these different things. But see, like we spoke on earlier, society is telling everyone, I'm a one-man show. Let me do this on my own. I got it out of the mud. And you're just lying, right? You're lying. Nobody gets successful at any level by themselves. I'm not here for that because it's not true. Like, you need people. And we have to get back. COVID made a lot of people just kind of go off the grid and just kind of sit in their own little pods or whatever that stuff they were talking about one time was like, you know, these little silos or whatever. It's like, man, get out and go meet some people, get some air, go sit down with some people. And, 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 and you got to understand, Carol, like when, when I'm explaining this to people, I express to them, like, this is where what society tells you not to do. You need to do, which is called being mm-hmm. humble. Mm-hmm. The humility needs to kick in. I need help. I need you. I need your service. I need your wisdom. I don't have all the answers and I feel like you do. May I sit down with you and and be and, and acquiesce to your knowledge? See, we're not we don't we, we don't get that kind of lesson every day because everyone's right. so I got this figured out when you don't. And I and I can share from my own experience, my life changed when I realized like, oh yeah, I'm I'm mad, I'm really I mean, I'm very limited. But I mean isn't that isn't that not biblical? <laughs> I'm not gonna take your problems away, but I've told you that my grace is sufficient for all your needs. Meaning, when you submit your problems, your cares, your concerns, your anxieties, your depression to me, I will come in because I already paid the price, right? That receipt has already been that's that receipt has already been submitted on your behalf. You're welcome. Let's get to that point where 
where we see things from from a standpoint of being humbled and being open and receptive to the things that are going to make us better. And that starts with community and keeping a group of people around you who will hold you accountable for what you want to do and can give you the wisdom to continue to press on when things get tough. Is there anything you would like to say as a motivational or a summary as we close? I would like to say a quote from my father. And I don't think I don't think it's his. It's just he's used it a bunch and I love it. And he said when I was very young to live the best life you can and then give it all away. (laughs) That is awesome. Say that again. Live the best life you can. Live the best life you can. Then give it all away. Wow. And it's, it's about community. It really is. It's about having those around you who love you and serve you. Like if you don't have someone who can who can support you, pray for you, um, work with you, give you advice, hold you accountable, then you need a new group of friends like immediately because you need people in your life who tell you the truth. So that's good. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, this has been great. I can't wait to promote this um, on so many different channels because you're going to be speaking to a wide audience of all ages. And I am so appreciative that you were on Never Ever Give Up Hope today. And I can't wait to see the results of just our sharing together today. Thank you. Well, Carol, thank you for having me on. Hopefully your people um, will find value in this. And they're more than welcome and open to reach out to me directly uh, through social, through my website, or any of those things. If there's someone out there who has some young people in their life and the season that they're going through has gone on a little too long, maybe the depression has taken another stage in their lives and they just can't seem to get out of their own way or are still in that dark hole, um, they can reach out to me um, via email or through DM, through social media. If they put... Uh, never give up hope um, in the in the title or in the subject um, I will give them a complimentary 30 minute discovery call with their young person um, 100% on my company my, uh, my my team our goal our goal is to make sure and, and, and create a, a new batch of, of young men who are, are looking to to do something great and amazing with their lives and so we have committed three six, Nine, I think we're committed 10 hours a, a month to to mentoring and, and coaching these young men um, 100% on us to be able to put them in a better position to live life at a greater level. That is so gracious. And yes, I definitely will share that. So again, thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Carol. I really do. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.